And welcome to episode 115 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from the lab down here at 6-0 Football Academy, 10-4-7-0 South Progress Way down here. Parker, I'm your host always, uh, Matt McChesney, and today's episode is going to be spicy to say the least. Thank you to our friends down at DNVR for all they do. Uh, my man Adam Mars will be joining us here today to talk about your Denver Nuggets and the clean sweep that the Suns gave them. I went down to the ball arena last night, the sack was rocking. Uh, it, it was it was damn near packed full, and we'll talk about what the environment was like uh, here in a little bit, and the fact that they kicked out the most valuable players camp, surrounded by tons of coaches from CSU Pueblo to Mines to Utah State to Air Force. UNLV was there. Uh, let's see who else was there. Uh, a couple other Mountain West schools, and then this week, uh, this last Saturday, Friday or Saturday, I was up in Fort Collins at CSU working their camp. UCLA was there. I had about a 30-minute conversation with Chip Kelly, sit down, talk face-to-face about the Dungeon family and college football expansion and some of the ideas that the coaches have behind closed doors. So I'll leak some of that information here on the Chesney Unchained, episode 115. Um, and we roll right off the bat. Um, we want to give a huge thanks to our uh, title sponsor, DraftKings. They do so much for us down here at DNVR and so much for the show here McChesney Unchained. Um, DraftKings has been good to me since I started uh, sports betting with them. Uh, I, I love the fact that you can parlay the over-unders and, and the and the wins, and it, it's been pretty productive for me. So when you see that negative number, that negative 120, uh, that means that the Nets are probably going to win. Uh, so if you take the over, usually with the Nets winning, that's pretty consistent. It's been a rocking for me, uh, except with the exception of the last two games against Milwaukee when they've been hurt. Uh, so look, it, you'll always get your money with DraftKings. They do a great job. It's secure. Uh, you can bet on anything from basketball to hockey. Uh, to horse racing, to you know, Chinese basketball. I mean, I've got a bunch of clients in here at six zero. We sit here and uh, we gamble on Chinese basketball. Don't judge me. Okay, we're winning. It's not degenerate, degenerate if you're winning. Uh, but uh, remember to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR uh, when you sign up, and they'll give you some free credits to bet with. Uh, <clears throat> whatever, whether you choose a basketball uh, team to win, a hockey team to win. Whatever it is, you can always uh, bet $1 and it will give you up to $100 in free credits when you sign up. The promo code is DNVR, capital DNVR, for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Wager is paid on insight credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And we roll here on episode 115 of McChesney and Jane. As always, I'm your host, Matt McChesney, the great Adam Mares, who produces the shit out of this show on a weekly basis and is the uh, is the insider of insiders for your Denver Nuggets, is going to join us now to talk about the Nuggets and the season and the sweep and so much more. Adam, how are you doing this morning, brother? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm feeling a little down. A little, a little bit of bummed with the Nuggets season to come to an end on a, on a sweep and for the MVP to go out the way he had to go out. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. As they say, um, look, I went to the game last night. I took my boys. The atmosphere was incredible. Yes, it was a pro Suns crowd. They were yelling Suns in four, and they were right. Uh, it was uh, pretty funny at one it point. Hurts. It hurts. Yeah, it, it, it does hurt. It does hurt. But at one point, they were yelling Suns in four. And this dude behind me stood up, and he goes, Nuggets in seven. Nuggets in. So People were laughing their asses off. So, yeah, it got a little contentious on the court. It got a little contentious in the stands. But that's what sports is. That's why we love it so much. Guys were out there competing. It seemed like the fans were competing, too. Um, the, the sack ball arena was packed. It was loud. It was fun. 
Um, I felt like the Nuggets had them. I felt like they played really hard the last two games, and it just we just don't have the horses to run with this Phoenix team. Yeah. And there's two questions. Number one, with Jamal Murray, is this is this uh, series totally different in your opinion? And then number two, Chris Paul is declined his player option. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. I, I personally think that he would be the absolute perfect backcourt addition for the Nuggets from a leadership perspective and from a drive perspective. So Nikola doesn't have to do everything thoughts. Well, the first question, you know, if Jamal Murray's healthy, of course, this team is completely different. This team is built around Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and, and the two-man game that they have. So when he went down, the entire team sort of shifted in ways that, you know, it, they, they pieced it together with duct tape to make it work. And it was impressive. And I think even heroic that they made it to the second round without him. Um, their reward, unfortunately, for, for, for doing that was to go up against a far superior team whose strength was in their backcourt with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and then just having no answer for them. So this the series looked way different than it would have with Jamal. With Jamal, I don't know if it was, you know, like a surefire Nuggets win or anything like that, but Denver did take two out of three games against Phoenix in the regular season, and they were all battles. Jamal Murray played a big part in those. Um, so, yeah, I think it would have been different. Your second part of your question, you know, Chris Paul would be a perfect addition to almost any roster. He's that good. And even at his age 36, we're seeing this more and more. These guys get older and just stay the same athletically much deeper into their careers and their skill level, their feel for the game, their knowledge of the game goes up and up. And you could make the argument Chris Paul's playing the best basketball of his career right now. And that's why he's in the conference finals for just the second time in his career. So um, absolutely, he could be a great addition to Denver, but they can't afford him. Denver already has a full roster. Um, you know, they, they've paid their guys, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. They're going to pay. Michael Porter Jr., I think this offseason, Aaron Gordon. So they already have their big contracts in place, and there's no more room, unfortunately, for another one of those big contracts. Well, that's too bad, to say the least. Um, that, okay, all that said, then, I agree with you that it was heroic on the Nuggets uh, to do what they did. They could have easily tanked, been, you know, been in the playing game, and it could everybody would have been like, look, you lost your, one of your superstars, it is what it is. Nikola Jokic being the MVP, I, I was in Ball Arena last night with my boys, and I was listening and chanting MVP for a nugget. It was it was incredible. It was yeah. awesome. It was such a cool moment as a fan because I – look, I'm wearing a Bulls jer – Rodman jersey right now. I grew up a huge Bulls fan just because of Mike and, you know, they're always on TV. And the Nuggets were trash when I was a kid, bro. I mean, I'm, I'm 39. I remember a year where they won like 11 games total. So yeah. – just to have that experience last night at, at Ball Arena was incredible. Uh, I, I feel like the future is extremely bright. Why are there so many people, so many idiot fans out there that don't want Michael Malone as the head coach of this basketball team? I find it to be like almost like disrespectful to the man. Yeah. Like what is he? What he's done is coach of the year esque. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, there's always a scapegoat, right? In sports, it, it's difficult to create context and nuance and say, hey, look at all these moving parts to a team. Why did it fail? Maybe because their second best player went down, their point guard went down, and the other team's point guard they went up against is a Hall of Famer. So you're playing Probably. a rookie, five foot seven rookie against a Hall of Fame point guard. You know, maybe that was reason. But people whittle it down <laughs> often to try to find one scapegoat. And, and, and so they'll point to Michael Malone. But I'll say... It's usually 
dumb when fan bases or fan, sections of fans, I don't think it's all Nuggets fans. It's a section of no, it's of not all of them um, that turn on Michael Malone. I, I, th- I think it's always, you know, usually questionable when, when fans do that, but it's especially questionable with Michael Malone. In the NBA, the number one thing your head coach has to do is have a locker room that doesn't quit, that plays together, and that buys into the system. It is so yeah, rare. Yeah, yeah. That you get 18 guys, 17, 18 guys on a roster that all buy in. And the Denver Nuggets not only have that, they've had it for several years. They had that when they brought in Austin Rivers and Shaq Harrison off of the dumpster pile and and JaVale McGee. And you think, oh, these guys, how are they going to fit in on short notice? Great. They fit in great. And they bought in to get that level of buy-in. And, and that level of focus and agreement from a team is rare. And Michael Malone has done that. In addition to having a title contending team now, when healthy for two seasons. So, uh, you know, he, is he perfect? No, but he does a really nice job. And more often than not, when you scapegoat a coach and bring in somebody else, the guy you bring in is a failure. Most coaches are failures. Michael Malone is not. I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I'm really glad that he's under contract and there's absolutely no talk from the organization about moving on. That would be a monumentally stupid move by the Denver Nuggets. And they don't seem like they're making dumb moves these days. Um, so that said, the Nuggets have a culture now. They have a, a they have a culture of being a tough nosed, you know, team that moves the basketball, that plays as a team, even with the most valuable player of the league. As a Denver fan, I'm a cynic. I can't help it. I grew up in an era where yeah. the Broncos would lose Super Bowls, and when I was in high school, they won two. And I was, you know, I was at the Bronco game when they lost to Jacksonville with my dad. And I remember walking them out walking out with him, and he was like, oh, they're never going to fucking win a game, the Denver Cockies. And I'm like, listen, you yeah. son of a bitch, stop talking shit. Yeah. But, you know, like our, our family arguments and stuff, and I feel like that Bronco team and all those greats had to go through that hell to get where they wanted. Yeah. I I really – I was walking out last night about, you know, a minute, minute and a half left in the game. They were losing. We decided to leave. And I, I would heard probably 10, 15 different fans say, this team is going to be so good next year. This is going to motivate them to be great. And I can't help but agree with that. As the, the Nuggets insider at DNVR, uh, what, what do you think, Adam? You know, I, I there's no question that this team has responded every year. Three years ago, they lost in the last game of the season. I remember and, that. And they missed out on the playoffs. And that fueled them the next year. Wasn't that an overtime loss, too? Overtime, yeah. game 82, last yeah. night of the season, and they, they come up short. And it motivated them, and they came back so much stronger. And they make it to the second round and lose in game seven on their home court, and that motivated them even more. They make it to the Western Conference Finals the next year, and I think that motivated them thinking they were right on the doorstep of the finals. This year, you know, it was bad luck. They ran into not just the Jamal Murray injury. The Will Barton got gets injured a week later, and a week after that, P.J. Dozier. People only think it was the, you know, the Murray injury. They lost their starting point guard, starting shooting guard, backup shooting guard, and then they go up against a Hall of Fame point guard and a possibly Hall of Fame shooting guard in Devin Booker, you know, in the making, a little premature, but we'll see. Pretty and good. They had, they're playing their second and third string guards. So, you know, it, it was just a tough break, I think, for them this season, and those tough breaks will carry over into next season as Jamal Murray will not rejoin the team, you know, January, February, maybe March. So Denver is going to have, I think, a very difficult and bumpy season. But, um, you know, they have only gotten better. Jokic is the MVP this year and will be a better player next next season. Michael Porter, we saw in the regular season, he has superstar talent. He has greatness in him, but it's kind of locked up. He hasn't been able to tap into that just yet because there's certain holes and weaknesses in his game. 
How does he respond? He's the, the, the number one pivot point, I think, for the Nuggets. Does he get over the hump? And, and, and you've seen this so many times, I'm sure, in football. Guys that they have so much talent to them, but there's some roadblock to them mentally, physically, whatever it is. It's just blocking that talent from really uh, being actualized. And it's not a guarantee that they can get over those roadblocks. But if they do, you see the, the limitless potential. That's Michael Porter. So, you know, he's another piece to all this. So I, I agree that Denver is still on this upward trajectory. But next year presents new challenges that they haven't faced yet. Namely, Jamal Murray, you know, coming back from injury and having to rejoin the team late in the season. All right, a couple more here before we get you out of here. Uh, Adam Mars joining us here on episode 115, McChesney Unchanged, talking nuggets and the sweep to the Suns. And it sucks, but, you know, things happen. Uh, competitors will compete, and I know that they'll come back stronger next year. All that said, have you ever seen an MVP of the National Basketball Association get kicked out of a game in an elimination game on national TV, no less, like over that weak-ass foul? I mean, look, man. I know he came from the ceiling to the floor. It was like a damn tomahawk chop. But he didn't even touch, dude. It was all ball. <laughs> and and the refs saw the replay. I see the replay on the big screen. What is going on with the officiating in the NBA? And is Adam Silver going to look at this and go, look, can we find some middle ground between the murder ball that was happening in the late right. 80s, early 90s, and this, this soft-ass bullshit we're watching now? Can we find some middle ground maybe? No. I don't think Adam Silver. No, no. Play. <laughs> sadly, man, I, I I think this is here to stay. And look, man, people were pretty split, including a bunch of players, former or current players, chiming in. I saw Trey Young, John Morant coming to Jokic's defense, saying, "How are you going to kick out the MVP for that?" You know, barely made contact. I think the referee saw intent. You know, Jokic wind up in frustration and give that, but intent is not the same as you know actually hurting a guy and I don't think anybody on that play was even remotely harmed so it is a bummer it came down to that but um no I don't think the NBA is going to change the way they officiate it it's not if you want to know the truth Matt that that call is one thing that's not what bothers me about the NBA and how it's officiated you watch these point guards around the perimeter if you breathe on them that it's it's a foul and I and that's the part that that bothers me the, the hard fouls whatever we can keep those out of the game but the fact that Damian Lillard can jump sideways and graze a dude and, and all it's a three three shot shooting foul that's the stuff that kills me so is it is it just to to you know cater to DraftKings and FanDuel so people hit the over I mean what is the point of this of the fouls where everyone starts questioning the integrity of the game I love the NBA I love watching it. it's the best athletes in the world going against each other but the fouls get me to the point where I'm like man I need to know who the damn officials are if I'm going to make a bet so I can actually like, what's the over under on how many fouls these guys are going to call. Well, it's, you know what it is. It's, it's who sells the tickets in today's day and age. And it's Steph Curry. It's Damian Lillard. It's Chris Paul. It's all these guards. And what does everybody love to see? 50 points, Steph Curry, 10, three pointers, Damian Lillard, 55. They love these giant numbers, but these giant numbers come because you can't guard the perimeter. You really can't touch a guy out of the perimeter. You got to try to shadow them and stay in front of them without, without any physicality to it. And these guys have become such great shooters that you add great shooting on top of how hard it is to go out there and, and defend them. And what you get is 50 point game after 50 point game, but fans seem to love it. I mean, you go on YouTube and you look at all the highest rated videos. It's Steph Curry. It's Clay Thompson, 60 points. It's all these high scoring things that fans just seem to love. It's not going. Well, anywhere. I, I, I love it too. I love big numbers, but 
Okay. So last question before we get you out of here, Adam, then, then full circle. Should I respect guys like Michael Jordan even more because they played <laughs> in the era they did? Because he was dropping 38 point and a half a night every okay. night for damn near his entire career, bro, in the triangle with other good players on the, on the floor. And they, everybody had a target on MJ all the time, and he still did it. And it wasn't these ticky-tack fouls. So yeah. when, when did it switch? When, at what, what was the year when it went from, you know, you can actually guard somebody to you can't even breathe on them? Do you remember? Because I, I don't yeah. remember. I think it just kind of happened. Well, there's two, there's two major events. One was in 2001 when they got rid of uh, what was called a legal defense. So what it means is it used to be you had to be within like an arm's length of the guy you were guarding. So you couldn't like double team unless a guy had the ball, then you could double team him. But what that did was people started double teaming the post, namely Shaquille O'Neal, so that they couldn't throw the ball to the post. So you had this pre-double team before he caught it that you just, okay, don't throw it to Shaq, throw it to anyone else. Then in 2004, they took away the hand check rule. I think with your, with your question, so that changed the game to a more guard oriented game rather than a wing or a center oriented league. And I think with regards to your question, you know, back in the eighties and nineties when Jordan excelled and, and obviously I think the greatest player of all time, even to this date, you know, he had the physicality to take advantage of hand checking without other guys being able to take advantage of it with him. He was strong enough to handle it. So he could, you get more physical and the physical guys excel. You take that away and who excels? The quick, shifty guards who can shoot threes. And over the last 10 years, that's what we've seen. A bunch of guards take over the league, scoring all these points, and it's tailored to, tailored to them more so than it is to, to wings, but especially more so than it is tailored to centers. And that's the truth there, Nuggets fans. Nuggets get swept, clean 4-0. That sucks, but it'll lead to greatness, in my opinion. The ball arena was rocking last night. Next year is going to kick ass. The MVP is still in Denver, and that was pretty special to hear last night, to say the least, uh, to hear the MVP chant for a Denver Nugget. Never thought I'd hear that day. Uh, Adam Morris, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on episode 115 of McChesney Unchained. Go do what you got to do, brother. And uh, we're getting into this college football expansion talk here uh, as we roll forward. Go Nugs, and next year will be a better year. Thanks for all you do, Adam. You bet, man. Go Nugs. Appreciate it, brother. All right, so as we roll here on episode 115 with Chesney Unchained, thank you to Adam for all he does, not only producing the show and putting up with my bullshit for 115 episodes, but uh, he is by far the the uh, go-to when it comes to knowledge about the Denver Nuggets and the NBA down at DMVR. He does a great job. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Adam as uh, he's verified, and, and uh, he's always down at the bar talking shop, so get your ass down there, and I know there's – Nothing but the Rockies to support now in, in Denver, ho-hum. But training camp starts in like six weeks. So hold on and be strong, folks, because uh, the Broncos and the, and the bus and the Rams are right around the corner. So let's get into this as we go. I um, want to thank our next sponsor here, Maven Hemp. If you go to mavenhemp.com and check out their product, there are our, our uh, – neighbor here over at six zero football academy down in parker they do a great job of not only helping the big guy here with recovery and sleep and managing anxiety and the creakiness in my joints and everything from the tinctures to the cbd pills to the muscle rubs they do an unbelievable job they keep the dungeon family healthy my man zev uh is always coming up with a new idea and some 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 new creation over there to to help with recovery uh, it's all CBD based. It's all clean. 
Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's legal. So I, I would definitely uh, push people in that direction when it comes to recovery and, uh, and what to do from a supplementation standpoint. It's something I take on the daily and it's helped me a ton. Uh, they obsess over every ingredient in their product. It goes through a rigorous third-party lab testing to ensure the best quality possible. Go to mavenhemp.com and inquire about the incredible CBD products. Use the promo code 60, S-I-X-Z-E-R-O for all you brainiacs out there. And check out and uh, at checkout and you'll get 10% discount on every purchase. Uh, you, can, you can use it for post-workouts, pre-workouts, help you sleep. It's pretty awesome. Mavenhemp.com. They bring you our college football expansion talk. And let's get into this. So, over the weekend, man, or over the last week, I was up at CU Boulder on Monday helping coach Coach Durrell and Coach Wilson, Coach Shiv, Hagan, the entire staff, Coach Rod, the offensive line coach. It was awesome. Uh, Dungeon family went up there and showed out, had a really good day. I had a lot of the conversation about college football expansion with them. Uh, there were a bunch of Mountain West schools at that camp. Then I went to CSU this last weekend. And uh, on Friday and worked that camp with Coach Smith and both both Coach Adazio, Louie and Steve and Coach Corwin and so many others. Coach Perkins, who's a buff, uh, who's the DB coach up there. So it, it was great to see him. Uh, but the CSU camp was kick ass. Again, it was another Dungeon Family Day. We went up there and took over the entire camp and UCLA was there and UCLA was at the camp. And, you know, we're, we're talking about college football expansion. So before the camp started up at C, we were at CU Monday, met with Utah State, CSU Pueblo Mind, CU, obviously, a couple of schools were there, had a great talk, Dungeon Family did well. We're at CSU Friday, met with the entire staff from UCLA, Chip Kelly, Coach Fry, uh, uh, Coach uh, Kavlea, their defensive line coach, I butchered his name, but I can't say it anyway, it was, he was awesome. And the entire CSU staff, both the Adazios, Coach Smith, the D-line coach, Coach Coleman, Coach Perkins, it was kick-ass. But not only we were talking about the Dungeon family and the kids and recruiting and so on and so forth, Ramos got offered by Colorado State. We were talking about college football expansion. And with the playoff going to 12 teams, which is happening, the expansion is going to go either five 16-team conferences or four 16-team conferences. And some of the insight I got from the coaches, especially Chip Kelly, was pretty pretty crazy man i mean to think that it's academics and money markets and and tv deals over whether or not you can play makes sense that's the way college football goes they can bring a school into a conference that school can struggle for a couple of years and then turn it around with the right resources so i don't know whether or not they're going to keep four 16 team conferences which keeps them keeps them at 64 teams total in major college football and then everybody else is in that tier two or if they're going to keep five 16-team conferences, and then they're just going to pick the best 12 out of those conferences with no divisions. I talked to Joe Klatt, my man Joe Klatt, who I played with at CU and is now the lead analyst for Fox, and he was saying that they're going to scrap divisions and start playing the top two teams in every conference in the title games, and conference champions are automatic bids, and then the, the next seven slots are going to go to you know, at largest. And those at largest could be seven SEC teams if they're the best ones that year. It doesn't really matter. And that's the way I think college football should go. The best teams play for the title, regardless of schedule. It allows you to, to screw up once or twice during the season too, which is kind of the point of football is overcoming adversity. If you lose one game, you shouldn't necessarily be excluded from playing for the national title if you're good enough. Uh, I thought Texas A&M should have played in the final four last year and because they just lost one game to Alabama, they were excluded. So with the 12-team system they get in for damn sure, 
if you're looking at who goes and who stays, man, this, I don't know. Like if you're looking at independence, my man, Travis just gave me the list. It's army, New Mexico state, UMass, BYU, Liberty, and Notre Dame. I'm looking at that right now. New Mexico state and UMass have no chance of being in power conferences, but army, BYU, Liberty, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame's 100% going to a major conference, especially if they're forced. They're an ACC team. BYU is definitely going. Liberty and their their money in Virginia, they could be an ACC team. They've already beaten Virginia Tech twice. They competed their ass off last year. They were ranked nationally, won 10 games. Army, Navy, and Air Force all have to go. You can't exclude one of the service academies. So all three of those teams have to go. When you're looking at the Sun Belt, you have App State, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State, Texas State. I don't think any of those get in. Mountain West, you have Boise State, Air Force, Colorado State, Hawaii, San Diego State. You got the UNLVs in Vegas. You got Fresno State. I mean, those teams, you would think, from what I gathered this weekend up at Fort Collins, Colorado State and the Big 12, the Big 12 wants back into Colorado, losing that market in Boulder. So they would essentially, Colorado State would go to the Big 12. That would be their first choice. Then you would have two major conference teams in the state of Colorado, which is huge. You know, Iowa has two, Kansas has two, Colorado and this population density way bigger than those two states only have one. So it, it's it's imperative that CSU gets into that, into the major conference pool. And I think they will. Their facilities are incredible. I think they'll turn it around again. It's not just about whether or not you win. It's whether or not you can support it. Your academics support it. You have the fan base to support it. People in Fort Collins go to the games this year, man. The Canvas Stadium is incredible. Adazio's got that place on the up. They are coaching the shit out of their guys up there. And they're going to be super competitive. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the Mountain West title game, to be completely honest with you. I mean, Bride Brothers are on one. I talked to Toby, the tight end, for a good 30 minutes out there. And, and that kid's a draft pick nonetheless, uh, but also a great leader. So I, I like CSU going into the Big 12. Again, Air Force, Army, and Navy all have to go. I don't know where they go. Do they split all three of them up? Can Army or Navy or Air Force survive in the Pac-12? Can they survive in the Big 12? I I mean, could you put Navy in the SEC? No. Can you put Navy in the ACC? I, I don't I don't know from a culture standpoint. I don't, I don't know. Georgia Tech's in the ACC. They ran the fucking triple option for 12 years, but it was just an enigma. Um, do you take all three of them and put them in the Big 12? I, I don't know. I see it's different with the service academies. Air Force has been in the Mountain West for such a long time. Navy's been in Conference USA since they dropped out of the whatever conference they were in before that. Army's an independent. So it's that's a conundrum to say the least. I know I'm sweating my ass off right now. I just got done crushing myself in the gym. So just fucking deal with it. Um, you're looking at the AAC. This is where it gets interesting because there's a bunch of teams here. I forgot about SMU when we were talking earlier. They're 100% in. So if you're looking at the Big 12 and you need six teams or the conference goes away, that's how I look at this. If the conference goes away, the Pac-12 takes Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and oh, man, Kansas, Kansas State maybe, but I'd rather keep them together. You know, the, the Kansas and Kansas State, maybe Iowa State. There's only two teams to the Big Ten. So does Iowa State go to the Big Ten with Iowa? And then you take one more team. Some You take Cincinnati, put them in the Big Ten, and they're 16, and it's done. And then Ohio State has a, an actual rival in Ohio that's not just the fucking Bobcats. I think Cincinnati could sustain that if they had Big Ten support because they're a damn good football team. Um 
so if that, that happens, Kansas and Kansas State, do they go to the Pac-12? And then the Pac-12 needs, and the Kansas, obviously that would fit in the basketball culture there. Kansas State's a good basketball team as well. That Then you need two more. So you take Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Kansas State, you put them all in the, in the Pac-12, and that expands the mountain division to the to kind of the, the middle of America. It, it reignites some of these rivalries with Utah and Colorado because there's substantial rivalry there with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, Colorado. Those teams hate each other. All old Big Eight teams. Um, does Nebraska stay in the Big Ten? I heard it probably ten times while I was up there that Colorado and Nebraska are both upset with their current situations and could go back to the Big Twelve. If both of them go back, how does that look? What kind of opportunities open up in the Pac-12? The the movement here and what's good for one school and what's bad for another is going to be absolutely insane when it drops. And I think it's going to happen quick. If you remember 2010, this happened in like a six-hour span. Nebraska left, CU left, and the fucking expansion exploded. So when you're looking at like if the Big 12, the Big 12 – dismantling is the easiest way to get four conferences with good football teams. If the SEC wants to expand, take uh, Baylor and Texas. They, you've got national rival of AM. That's already Southern. I mean, it's not like Texas isn't Southern. They were in the Confederacy for God fucking sakes. I mean, so you could take Texas and Baylor, put them in the SEC. They're 16. Take Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas State, put them in the back 12. They're 16. Okay, then who do you have left in the and you take Cincinnati and Iowa State, put them in the Big Ten. There's there's 16 in the Big Ten. Now you have West Virginia, you've got TCU, you've got Texas Tech and left in the Big 12. Who, who else you got left in the Big 12? TCU, Baylor. Baylor's gone. Texas is gone. Texas Tech, West Virginia, and uh who's the, who's the other one? Texas Tech, West Virginia, and TCU. So all three of those can go to the ACC. All three of them. Texas Tech Bay and, and, and TCU can both go to the ACC. West Virginia go to the ACC. Iowa State goes to the Big Ten. So you've got West Virginia and their rivalry then with Pittsburgh again. You've got West Virginia going. You've got Texas Tech going. And you've got TCU. And that, that's the whole conference. Everyone else is gone. So those three go to the ACC. You only need one more there. And then you start just purging around the country. And that's bad for the lower level teams. You don't want the Big 12 to dismantle. If the Big 12 doesn't dismantle, you have to start bringing up Mountain West schools. You have to start bringing up Conference USA schools. And that's the, that's the route I'd like them to take. I'd rather them make six teams power five conference teams rather than dismantle a conference and keep the same teams in power conferences and keep the same lower level teams where they're at. If you wanted to expand six teams into the into the into the Big Twelve, CSU is getting one of those knots. It's just it's happening. I mean, they, that's why they built a new a new uh, uh, on campus stadium. It's why they got all that money invested in the program. The service academies they've got to go. Notre Dame's got to go to a conference. We forgot about them in the ACC. So which team out of that group is left out? Which team TCU eight uh, uh, Texas Tech? West Virginia, which one of them's left out if Notre Dame goes. So when you're looking at all these schools and the opportunity that's in front of them, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do this, bro. I'm really eager to hear 
how they're going to supplement all these different schools with all these different academic programs and all these schools who would think that they would want to go. Think about this. If you're the, if you're the big 12, how do you decipher between CSU, Boise, Memphis, UF, UCF, Houston, SMU, Air Force, Army, Navy, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky, Coastal Carolina, Liberty. We didn't even talk about them. How, where do they go? I mean, there, there's a bunch of lower-level schools that if they jump, Montana gets to jump, Montana State gets to jump, North Dakota State gets to jump, South Dakota State gets to jump, and the entire middle of America where there's not a whole lot of Division One teams, all of a sudden there's a lot of Division One teams. And they really give a shit in Bozeman. They really care. They really care in Missoula. They really give a shit. They really care at North Dakota State. They really give a shit at South Dakota State. They care at North Dakota. They care at Eastern Washington. Those are great schools. They 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 go into major conference schools all the time and give them fucking hell on the on the gridiron. They don't always win, but damn it, they always play hard. So I don't know how you're going to decipher this. And then all these independents, these independents, and the tone that BYU and Notre Dame is set with the religious schools being independent, setting their own rules. It's why everybody fucking hates you. It's why everyone hates you. I understand you play a ruthless schedule, but go to a conference and stop being fucking smug. Period. I mean, if you're Notre Dame, I, I've got guys that play at Notre Dame. They love their conference or they love their schedule. But at the same time, I know that last year they liked the security of being in a conference and playing in a conference title game. It brought more, more revenue to the school as well. The thing with Notre Dame is until you get rid of the NBC TV deal, what motivation do they have to do this? So it's all money. All this is all money. Everything we're talking about is money. It's TV money and the market that you're in. So CSU's in the Denver market, quote unquote. Wyoming ain't. So if you're a Cowboy fan, that sucks. You're, you're in the Mountain West for life, dog. Like, it's just the way it is. I'm sorry. It's what it is. I mean, if Nebraska wouldn't have been Nebraska their whole life, they'd be Wyoming. Let's be real. There ain't no fucking market in Lincoln. Huge, huge TV market in Omaha. That and pig, pigfuckers.com. <laughs> you didn't like that one, did you? You thought this, this show was going to stay PC? Nope. Right at the end, we get pigfucking.com. I don't even know if that's a real thing, but I know farmer.com is a real thing. And this is the number one website visited in, uh, in Nebraska. Farmersonly.com. So. Episode 115 with Chesney Unchained Rolls, and that is a wrap. Um, the MVP of the league is in Denver, even though they got swept to hear MVP in Ball Arena last night was fucking special, especially being there with my boys. They had a great time. Uh, hats off to my boy Tyson Christensen for all he did to, to hook us up down there and, and making it special for my guys. TC, you're the man. Um, I, I got to take my hat off to the Dungeon family. This is why we grind, man. I know it's at the end of the show, but, you know, we've got multiple guys committed in here now. Connor Jones, Connor Jones going to Michigan. Uh, Go Blue. Luke Meyer from Ballard just committed to Air Force. <sighs> Over the weekend, Alec Falk from Palmer Ridge, big tackle, got his first offer from Wyoming. That was awesome to be on the phone with him and his dad, Carl, and, and to go over that and to hear the excitement in their voice, all the work put in. 
Big Ramos from Arapaho got his first one from C- his first major one from CSU. Jackson Adams got UNC with more coming. Mason Harris showed out at CSU the other day. I was just on the phone with Coach Smith at CSU about him this morning. Travis Gray was down at Arizona. Tushan Travis was taken over down there in the desert. They they loved him down there. Coach Carroll's already been on the phone with me this, this morning. Coach Farmer in Texas Tech uh, brought Weatherby in this weekend, Big Caden, and he just took over campus and ran their Instagram account and looked like he had an awesome time down in Lubbock. Uh, Barrett, or, uh, Braden Miller, Barrett Miller's at Stanford, his older brother, but Braden Miller was at Michigan State earlier in the week and Coach Kapovic and then ended it up down in Manhattan this weekend at Kansas State. I talked to Reisner, and Reisner's going to talk to Weatherby and, and Miller and try to talk him into being Wildcats. Seemed like he loved the trip, but his mom was elated this morning. I mean, shit, man, who else? Um, I, I mean, there's more off the top of my head. I, I can't remember uh, everybody here, but it, it's it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy ride here uh, for the Dungeon family, and this is the way we like it. I mean, this is why we grind. So everybody that's out there striving for it and getting it, don't let the sugar rot your teeth. You're not any good. Keep that in mind. Uh, everybody who's striving for it and, and trying to still get it, uh, don't don't be discouraged by the lack of, of uh, affirmation. You can play. Remember that. But you're not any good either. We got work to do. Uh, and we'll be here at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning ready to go. Uh, try and remember that the process is the prize out there, everybody. So as we go through this uh, summer and we and we get into training camp here in August, really when it comes down to it, it's how you feel about yourself and you can only play one place. So pretty proud of the Dunge family and all they've accomplished, to say the least. Um, proud to be a Nugget fan, even though they did get swept. Not, don't really give a shit. Um, it'll set them up for greatness next year. College football expansion is going to be crazy. And we'll talk about that as it progresses. Next week on 116, uh, episode 116 of McChesney Unchained, brought to you by DraftKings. We will talk about the Denver Broncos moving into training camp, the Colorado Buffaloes moving into training camp, CSU moving into training camp, try and talk about some of the top players in the state of Colorado moving into high school football. We're going to have probably five to ten uh, of the Dungeon family big dogs in here on the show as we go through the next couple of uh, episodes here. We'll bring one of these guys in, not only media, train them up a little bit, but also talk to them about what they're doing and how they're doing it and and, uh, and, and get a little shine on the Dungeon family. That's why we grind in here so we can shine. And uh, and that'll be that. So thanks, so thanks so much for listening. Episode 115 is a wrap. I'm your host, Matt McChesney. As usual, thank you to Auden Morris for all he does, not only producing, but joining us here today, talk about the Denver Nuggets. Uh, yeah, happy Monday, folks. Enjoy your day.